بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم رحمدہ وسلی علیہ رسول کریم اما بعد الحمد للہ جنائد از دا سکست آف نومبر ان دا ایئر ٹو تھاؤزنڈ اینڈ ٹوینٹی تھری اینڈ الحمد للہ وی موڈ آن ٹو Sayyidina Abu Hurairah radiyallahu And yesterday I spent the session taking a glimpse into his noble parents and I mentioned that he made a dua or he requested our beloved messenger to make a dua that Allah Ta'ala makes the believers love him and his mother and then Rasulullah made the following dua sallallahu alayhi wa sallam اللهم حبب أبيدك هذا وأمه إلى إبادك المؤمنين وحببهم إليهما Oh Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make this servant of yours and his mother beloved to your believing servants and make them either believers beloved to them So I mentioned this yesterday according to Sayyid Muslim but this also shows the brilliance of Abu Huraira radiyallahu Because if you look at what he was requesting for, what was he really asking the Prophet for? He was really asking the Prophet that Allah Ta'ala gives him hidayat and his mother and they leave the world with Allah Ta'ala's pleasure. Otherwise, this dua would be negated. So the believers love Abu Hurair and the believers love the mother of Abu Hurair. So we have to love the one who has iman. So instead of him asking just Ya Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam please make a dua that we remain firm on our faith me and my mother and we leave with the pleasure of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala he asked in a very beautiful manner that Allah Ta'ala makes the believers love both his mother and himself Subhanallah and of course like I mentioned this is a sign of iman that you love Abu Huraira Radiyallahu Then I mentioned the last thing that he did not perform any optional hajj as long as his mother was alive. And the reason being that serving your mother is greater than performing optional hajj. Indeed, it would be fair to say that Sayyidina Abu Huraira was imparted this most important fact i.e. of serving one's parents and not deviating from it from the earliest days. So there's a report. In Tabarani, Al-Haytami in Majma' Az-Zawaid, Volume 5, page 323, he comments upon the chain of narrators, Ayad al-Sahaba, Volume 3, page 619-20 of the New English Translation. Sayyidina Abu Umam, radiyallahu, he said, Once Rasulullah announced, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Prepare to march on the town with oppressive inhabitants because insha'Allah, He, subhanahu wa ta'ala, will allow you to conquer it. So, basically, stopping the report, the prophets made a call to arms, i.e. to go to a place, and of course, it was the fort of Khaybar. Abu Umama said he was referring to the town of Khaybar. Rasulullah added, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, no one with a stubborn or frail animal should march with us, meaning you need sturdy transport. If you haven't got a sturdy transport, don't march with us. 
Abu Huraira then went to his mother and said, Please prepare my journey's provisions. For Rasulullah has just given the instruction to fight in jihad. So again, stop him in the court. Why is he asking his mother to prepare provisions? Would it be better he did it himself? And the response is he wants his mother to get a share of the reward. So this is why he's asking his mother. His mother, however, said, You are leaving when you know that I am unable to enter without you by my side. Meaning I'm physically frail. And if you leave, I can't do you know, my daily duties. So Abu Huraira said, But I cannot stay behind Rasulullah. Meaning he's made a call to arms, O mother. Because I can't stay behind. His mother, then pointed towards her breasts and pleaded with him to listen to her on account of the milk that she had fed him with. Mm-hmm. However, Abu Huraira remained adamant. So you can see that the mother was basically, you know, literally by her rights asking him to stay. But he was thinking, Rasulullah's called. Anybody else, I would have stayed. So he decided to go. His mother then secretly went to Rasulullah and pleaded her case before him. He thereupon reassured her saying, Go in peace. Your case will be attended to without you having to attend. Because you have no need to worry. Because I will tell your son. Later when Abu Huraira eagerly came to Rasulullah Rasulullah immediately turned away from him. Abu Huraira thereupon said in shock, Ya Rasulullah your turning away from me must be on account of some news that has reached you about me. In other words, I don't know what's happened, but you're upset with me, something's happened. The Prophet said, Are you not the one whose mother had to indicate towards her breasts to plead with you to listen to her on account of the milk that she fed you, but you still refuse to listen? Do you people not yet realize that you are in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when you are with one or both of your parents? Indeed, you are definitely in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when you treat them well and fulfill their rights. Abu Huraira then remained with his mother. He was unable to engage in any battles for two years until his mother passed away. So, what was the error of judgment of Abu Huraira he thought that going with the Prophet had precedence but he wasn't correct why was he not correct this wasn't a further jihad why because the Prophet gave an option he would not give an option if it was obligatory jihad he said those of you who have a sturdy transport if it was an obligatory jihad then you have to override everybody to go on the campaign so he made an error of judgment. But his mother wisely went to Rasulullah and she did exactly the same or showed you know, what she said to her son, to the Prophet And then the key point, the Prophet he said it twice. He goes, don't you people not yet realize you are in the path of Allah. 
subhanahu wa ta'ala, when you are with one or both of your parents, he, get, he said it again, you are definitely in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When you treat them well, fulfill their life. Meaning, what path of Allah was Rasulullah referring to? With him. So somebody says, what is the worth of fighting or being in a campaign side by side with Rasulullah? It's priceless. If you look after your mother, what's that? And then most people, then suddenly the tone goes down because, mashallah, it's a good thing. Why has your tone got less when I'm talking about your mother or your father? And the response is, you haven't understood this. The Prophet goes, haven't you understood this yet? He goes, treat them well, fulfill their rights. He goes, you are not losing out. The key point is, you're not losing out. I mentioned the other day, Uwais uh, al-Karni, he stayed with his aged mother. He couldn't attend to the Prophet Did he lose out? No. Rasulullah said, the greatest tabi is Uwais uh, al-Karni. He looked after his mother. So notice, where if one or both of your parents are alive, this is an immense gift given to you by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then look how touching. Abu Huraira couldn't do jihad. <laughs> he goes for two years. He was basically stranded. Not in the sense that, you know, he felt he was losing out. But now he had to. So imagine Rasulullah is going, he couldn't go. So Allah my mother is not giving me permission. Subhanallah. The following narration is even more explicit. In Tabarani, Hayat al-Sahab of Volume 3, page 620 of the New English Translation, Abdullah ibn Abbas, he said, Rasulullah was in Siqaya when a woman came to him with her son and said, Ya Rasulullah, this son of mine wants to march in jihad, but I am refusing to allow him to go. He thereupon turned to the son and said, Remain with your mother until she allows you or until death claims her life for this will earn you even greater rewards so what's happened similar scenario we don't know which companion it was it could have been Abu Hurair maybe it's the same incident Allah Ta'ala knows best but the mother takes her son to the Prophet because I'm refusing for him to go now think about that you know if you Think about that statement. You're refusing your son to go in jihad with Rasulullah. What are you depriving him of? The Prophet stayed away, said to the son, Remain with your mother. Two only, there's two possibilities. Remain with your mother until she allows you, she changes her mind, or she dies. Then he said something amazing. For this will earn you even greater rewards. So previous report, the reward is you're going with the Prophet Sallallahu on a campaign is even greater. So think about what you're trotting up. People say, what's the reward for serving your parents? You know, if you think about it, you can even rebound the question, what would you like, brother? Say, what do you mean? What, what would I like? What, what would you like? Would you like paradise? Yeah, you got paradise. That's, you know, the way to look at these reports. Reflect. A reward even greater than performing jihad side by side with our beloved messenger. So think about that. So how great a deed is it to fight with side by side with the Prophet? This man once came to one of the Salaf, uh, Umar bin Abdul Aziz, the Amir al-Mu'mineen. And sorry, this man came to another one of the Salaf and he said, who's great? 
Hazrat Muawiyah radiyallahu or Umar bin Abdul Aziz. Now, why did he ask that question? Because they were both Khalifs. One was a companion, uh, Muawiyah radiyallahu, another was called, you know, the righteous Khalif, Umar bin Abdul Aziz. So he was talking about piety. The Salaf said, the dust that went into the horse of Muawiyah's nose, the nose of Muawiyah's horse, is greater than the entire life of Umar bin Abdul Aziz. This is in Al-Bidayah. So think about that. He said, you're comparing a Sahaba with the Tabi'in. He goes, forget about the companion. The horse that he rode on, fighting with Rasulullah, the dust that goes into the nostril of that horse is greater than the life of Umar bin Abdul Aziz. Now what does that tell you about jihad with Rasulullah? It's priceless. What's greater than that? Think about this. Serving your parents. So really, you know, unless you haven't got any understanding, you'd think I'm never going to turn away from this. So Abu Huraira didn't go on Hajj, didn't go on Jihad. He just simply served his mother. Now, why was it so important for the mother, for her son to be with him? Because the health of the dear mother of Abu Huraira, Sayyida Maimuna radiyallahu was deteriorating because she was getting old. Qasim Abu Bakr's grandson, he relates that Abu Umama had said, Allah, the mother of Sayyidina Abu Huraira became blind. He thus used to carry her to the toilet and help her to relieve herself. Subhanallah. This is recorded by Hafiz ibn al-Jawzi in his Birrul Walidain, page 102 of the English translation. So think about that. When you say he served his parents, he goes, how, what, how did he serve his parents? He carried her. He goes, he carried her. Why was he carrying her? She's blind. He goes, okay. So he goes, oh yes. And he'd carry her to the toilet. And he goes, he goes why? Because he, he would help her. I.e. with regards to cleansing. So look at the service he was showing to his mother. The noble son did not consider any of this as a chore, but rather had a great love and affection with his dear mother which he would then graciously wanted to share with all the true believers. Now think about that. You're thinking, okay, he's going through all these hardships with his mother. He's sacrificing for his mother. So, Audhu Billah, you're thinking, well, she's going to pass away soon. He's probably got that vibe. And the response is no. Because he did not consider it, you know, like a, you know, like a difficulty. Not only did he not consider it a difficulty, he wanted all believers to get a share of this reward. How? In Bukhari's Aladab al-Mufrad, number 37, Shaykh al-Bani, rahmatullah, stated sahih in his check. Muhammad ibn Sirin, rahmatullah, he said, We were once with Sayyidina Abu Huraira one night, radiyallahu, and he made the following dua. Allahumma ghfir li Abi Huraira wa li ummi wa la manistaghfara lahuma. Oh Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive Abu Huraira and his mother and whoever asks forgiveness for both of them. Muhammad ibn Sirin added فَنَحْنُ نَسْتَغْفِرُ لَهُمَا حَتَّى نَدْخُلَ فِي دَعْوَةِ Abi Huraira We thus now ask forgiveness for them so that we may be included in the dua of Abu Huraira. Radiyallahu subhanallah. Let's look at this. So this is a Sahih Hadith recorded in Bukhari's Al-Dabal Mufrid. So what dua is Abu Huraira making? Now think about this. This dua was loud. 
Why did he make a loud dua? He wanted to give to people. What was his loud dua? Oh Allah, subhanahu forgive Abu Hurairah, myself, and his mother. Then look what he said. And whoever asks forgiveness for both of them, forgive them. The Tabi'een said, immediately, we started asking forgiveness for both of them, so we may be included in the dua of Abu Hurairah. Now, why is this priceless? Because it's not your dua. It's somebody to make a dua, brother. In your heart, what goes to your heart? What is he asking me to make a dua for? I'm school of the earth. Then you go, hurry. Right? Because you know exactly what state you're in. Because if dua gets answered, it's a miracle. If a sahaba makes dua, you've sealed it, man. Somebody goes, well, sahaba have all passed away. Now you know why they can't make dua for this. Yes, they can. And he goes, Abu Huraira's dua can hit you. Because what dua? How do I get his dua? You simply say, Allahumma, well, Oh Allah, forgive Abu Huraira and his mother. Just add that to your dua. And he goes, why should I make that dua? Because he, the said, whoever asks forgiveness for myself and my mother, include them in for your forgiveness. Forgive them as well. So I'll tell you today, this is greater than your deeds. Why? Because it's not you. How deeds are polluted. When you get a dua of Rasulullah, you lock onto it. For instance, the Prophet ﷺ, he said, whoever offers four rakat sunnah before the asr, O Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, have mercy upon him. This is in Tidbadi. Now think about that. That's not your dua. So you do four rakat sunnah asr, that's guaranteed forgiveness. Rasulullah has made dua for you. So when you hear these reports, you should think this is now in my life immediately. So this dua, the tabi'een straight away thought, jackpot. But now let's look at it a bit more deeply. How much did Abu Huraira love his mother? He, did, he could have said this. Ya Allah, whoever prays for my forgiveness. You forgive them. He included his mother. Forcing you to think, who is his mother? I'm praying for this woman's forgiveness and then you think I don't even know who he is? Then you think, brother, forget that, I don't even know who Abu Huraira is. Because, oh, you got a bigger problem. Right? So, Sayyid Hadith, Abu Huraira, make sure this dua is made, added to your dua. Oh Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, forgive Abu Huraira and his mother. And because you've made that dua, his dua activates in your favor. And Allah Ta'ala will certainly answer his dua. Indeed, Abu Huraira would often mention to others some of the rights of one's parents. In Tabarani, in his Ausat, Al-Haytami in Majma Az-Zawaid, volume 8, page 137, comments upon the chain of narrates, Ayat al-Sahaba, volume 3, page 617 to 8 of the New English Translation. Abu Hassan, Dabi, Rahmatullah, he said, I was once walking with my father on rocky ground in Al Madina when suddenly Abu Huraira met me and he asked, Who is this? I said, This is my father. Abu Huraira said, Then listen, never walk in front of your father, but walk behind him or by his side. 
never allow anyone to come between yourself and your father never walk upon your father's roof when there are no railings for it will frighten him for he will think you may fall and never eat a bone of meat that your father had his sights on for he may be desiring to have it so these are some of the lies of the father somebody goes okay i'm going to minute what's the first lie don't walk in front of him how many sons walk in front of their father either walk behind him or by his side meaning he might need your help so you stand by his side or you walk slightly behind him don't allow anyone to get in between you and your father so if his friend uncle comes you should make you know respectfully he'll go to the other side why because he might need your support the person gets in between he might he might lose his support yeah. thirdly never walk upon your father's roof when there are no railings it will frighten him and this is very interesting this means you must never put yourself in a situation which troubles your father in terms of your safety what about those who go bungee jumping what's going on there right because you imagine any where did you go son when i all day what did you do all day bungee jumping pilot shooting out of planes what did you do for just you know go okay and other adrenaline junkie activities so think about that we're not saying it's wrong but you've violated the law of your parents because how is that linked why are you putting your safety at risk because where's the hadith never walk upon your father's roof and there are no railings for it will frighten him the scholars deduce from that don't do anything which will make him think this you're in danger Look at their lives. Why? Because it troubles them. Allah Taala doesn't want you to trouble the hearts of your parents. So again, are we fulfilling the rights? You know, your guess is as good as mine. And what's the last thing you mentioned? Never eat a bone of meat that your father has his sights on, for he may be desiring of it. Now this is very interesting. There was one of the noble sons of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Zain Al Abidin. His name was Ali Ibn Hussein, Rahmatullahi. He was Hussein's son. and he would never eat with his mother so somebody once approached him in al-bidayah because we've seen all the noble qualities in you or beloved grandson of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam but we've noticed one failing so he goes what's that he goes you don't eat with your mother so he said i fear ukuk i fear violating her right because how are you fearing violating her right by eating with her he said she may desire something and i pick it up he goes we are forbidden this that's why he goes i don't eat with my mother so this doesn't mean it's haram to eat with your mother but think about that even that so you know there's two pieces of, let's put it bluntly there's two pieces of you know chicken legs in that bowl and your mother goes put it eat you just keep eating the curry Why? Because you know that she's wanting one of those pieces. Unless she gives it to you. Put her eat this. Right? And he goes, are you sure, Mumpia? Okay. Then she goes, eat the other one. No, no, no. You've got to eat that. And you end up eating both anyway. But the thing is, you've gone through your mother. That's her right. What happens? Forget about that. You come in, throw a jacket on, say to you, where's my food? Right? Mum goes, it's coming soon. You're treating her like a slave. Astaghfirullah. So what we're supposed to be doing, we're not doing. 
and we're what we're supposed to flee from we're doing and then we go why are we in this state well after Allah Ta'ala and his messenger come to your parents you're violating their rights so not Abu Huraira was he violating his mother's right no he learned and he was now teaching and even in the dua he taught he goes remember my mother meaning remember your parents as well always remember them subhanallah So all I mentioned today was basically, again, the very interesting relationship that Sayyidina Abu Huraira radiyallahu had with his dear mother, Sayyidina Maimuna radiyallahu and some valuable lessons we can take from these reports. SubhanAllah. And just to add this, there's a report and it's, this is recorded in Al-Bidayah. And there was a woman and she was a, she used to do witchcraft. Tawbah. And she repented. She goes, is there any repentance for this? Astaghfirullah, I've been witchcraft. Rasulullah had passed away, sallallahu alayhi wa So she approached Abu Bakr Siddiq. She goes, oh Khalif of the Messenger of Allah, I've repented from witchcraft. What can I do to make amends? So Abu Bakr Siddiq, radiyallahu one report says it was Abdullah ibn Abbas, radiyallahu They said, are any of your parents alive? And she goes either her mother or father, and the companion said, Serve them. Now, think about that. If there was a greater deed, the Khalif or Ibn Abbas would have directed her towards it. There wasn't anything greater in their sight. So, it's one of the ways to secure forgiveness of major sins. The Prophet ﷺ, another man came to the Prophet himself, the hadith is in Dhanbadi and Mishkat, and he committed a great crime. He didn't mention it. Because Ya Rasulullah, I've committed a great crime, what can I do? The Prophet ﷺ said, are your parents alive? He goes, no, they both passed away. Then he asked, are any of your, is your aunt alive, your, your father's sister or your mother's sister? He goes, yes. He goes, server. So the scholars say, even your paternal or maternal aunt, if you honor them, Allah Ta'ala forgives major sins. Then what about your mother and father? Think about that. Your aunt, imagine, dad's sister, mom's sister, mom's brother, dad's brother. Allah Ta'ala loves that too much. He goes, I will forgive major crimes if you show love and respect to them. So Lord Shaitan, he will not allow this. And that's why you notice the West has gone down the mire. Because their family structure is broken completely. Has that for them? Are there any questions you'd like to ask? Subhanallah, bihamdi, subhanallahumma, bihamdi, ka ashtu lai lahi illa anta astafu lika atubu lika atubu lai mishan alim. Subhanallah, rabbika rabbil izzati yamma yisifun. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Alhamdulillahi wabarakatuh. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Al-asr, al-insan, lafiyu khusr, al-ladhina aminu wa amilu s-salihat. Wa rawasubu al-haq, wa rawasubu al-sabr, sallallahu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh.